G'day viewers, my name's Graham Stevenson and I'd like to invite you to come on a journey of creativity and learning and adventure through the series Colour in Your Life. There's an artist in every family throughout the world and lots of times there's an artist deep down inside all of us as well. So grab your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your aunties, uncles and mums and dads and come and see how some of the best artists do what they do. Well, hi folks, and welcome back to Colour in Your Life. Well, we are in California, and we are at Furman Point. Is that what it is? Point Furman. Point Furman. Anyway, I've got it right at last. <laughs> but we're in uh, we're in California, just south of Los Angeles, and we're with a wonderful plein air artist today, uh, Linda Gunn. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so pleased to be here. It's great to have you here. Beautiful scenery. We're right on a point, and Linda's actually going to paint this beautiful scene behind me right here today, which is going to be pretty spectacular. Linda's got a really interesting background. You sort of come from uh, real illustrative royalty, I suppose you could say, in America, where your grandfather, George Drake, was the organiser of a team of illustrators for Disney, and he was a great influence on you as you went through your art career. Well, he was hired by Walt Disney in 1926 to hire and train new artists for the studio, the fledgling studio at the time on Hyperion Avenue. So Grandpa's been a major influence. Yeah, absolutely. But you've yeah. done some fantastic things yourself. I mean, you started the National Acrylic uh, Painters Association. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. And that's yes. that's been going. You started that in 1995. Correct. So that's that's right. a, that's a pretty amazing achievement as well. And then, of course, there are your children's illustration books yes. that you do, and uh, you're a big Peter Pan fan. Oh, yeah, he's my hero. <laughs> I suppose having a grandfather that worked for Disney, you really didn't have much choice, did no, you? No, no. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to follow through with Linda today, uh, plain air, painting this beautiful point out here, and uh, see how she does what she does. Very, very talented lady, and I'm going to fire some questions at her about her past and what she's done. She's had a fantastic history. Well, let's go and have a look at this beautiful point and see what this lady does on this piece of paper. Okay, Linda, well, with the sound of the ocean pounding away in the back, it's the beauty of plein air art, you actually take a photo with your uh, with your phone so that you've got references you can go through? I use my camera as a reference as opposed to to a, a viewfinder or squinting like this. I can only close one eye. <laughs> so anyway, I, I take a photograph and then I make it, I, I in Photoshop I turn it to black and white so I just have a value. So I'm starting with cobalt blue and I will paint the whole scene one color like the photo to begin with. So I'll use my, my camera just to place for the main placements of the composition. Basically the center is here and here, the two centers, and the bluff comes down just past 
just past the center of the page. But for now, it's, I'm just putting in a mass using dry brush. That means it's just a little bit of light paint in the brush. This paper has a little bit of texture, so it picks up the shape of the high, port, high points of the paper. And you have a uh, very adventurous life as an artist. Your, your darling husband, Steve, built a 42-foot wooden boat that you guys go out on and he takes you to sort of fairly exotic locations and, and you paint. That's a great, great way to lead your life. Oh, it's great. I like to be with him and uh, there's nothing else to do but paint when you're on the boat, right? Don't fish. I'm adding some more textured flowers here. So why, why, why blue, Linda? Why not, why not some other color? Well, my very first watercolor class in 1981 I took watercolor because I wanted to paint like Andrew Wyatt, another one of my heroes, thinking that he painted in watercolor, but he, he did paint in watercolor, but his famous paintings are egg tempera. Um, anyway, I took the watercolor class, and the teacher, Michael Daniel, explained to us that we need to learn the techniques of watercolor and not worry about mixing color at this point, at this early point of learning. So we had everybody paint for a whole semester in one color, and a color of our choice, and I selected cobalt blue. And you sort of pretty well stuck with it since then, have you? So I've stuck with it since then. Um, I was asked to teach a class for the Parks and Recreation Department, and I didn't know how to teach, so I just taught them what I had been taught, and it, that's everything just kind of evolved from there. But uh, now that I've I've been painting for 30 plus years. I start every painting in a monochromatic, one color, um, no matter what the medium. If it's oil, acrylic, or watercolor, I use cobalt blue, my favorite color. I'm changing brushes to a, a size 10 sable brush. Um, I've had this brush for just about 25 years. You can see the paint's coming off of it, and it's a little wobbly, but I love it. I have another, another large watercolor sable brush at home. It's a rosemary brush. I just love it. It's, it's so expensive, I'm afraid to bring it out on location. So you use a couple of different types of brushes, do you? I do. I, I, I use the old Dale Rowney Diana brush, which I don't think they make anymore. And I also use my, my rosemary sable brush, beautiful brush, at home. But when I'm out and when I'm painting with other mediums, I like to use um, Jack Richeson's large brush. It's a 24 inch and it's synthetic and I can use it with just about any medium and, and I can wash everything out. It's not a good idea to use a sable brush with anything but watercolor because the sable hairs, each little individual hair has burrs in it and the burrs collect the water and hold the water in the brush. If you use acrylic, the burrs get sealed up and you ruin your brush. So, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> You've had a love for art, I mean obviously since a child, but we've actually got a photo of your first art set. For my 10th birthday, I received a John Nagy Artist Studio in the Box, it's called, and it contained all the mediums, watercolor, oil, pastel, and drawing materials plush instruction books for each medium. And so I religiously went through each book and that was really my initiation into the art world with the different mediums. 
You know, over the years you've been influenced by by artists, and I think probably one of the greats. I mean, I used to love this man's work as well when I was young. Both of these men was Norman Rockwell and Andrew Wyeth. How did you come across their work? Actually, through through the Post magazine that would come to the house. Uh, Norman Rockwell illustrated most of the covers for Post magazine, and uh, Andrew Wyatt's paintings were in there off and on. And I love the detail work of, of both artists. Observation for painting is very important. I remember art class, the teacher would bring out a tray of several objects and then take it away, and then we'd have to remember, mentally remember, what was on the tray. And same thing for life drawing classes. We would draw for two minutes and then the lights would go out and then the lights would come back on and we'd draw some more. Lots of little tricks to, to train your brain to remember what you saw. I would have my students write down their observations when we would go out on location. They'd write down what they saw around them, uh, what the weather was like. If a couple people were arguing, they'd write that down. Anything that would tweak their imagination for a, a painting later. And then I would have them, after, for an, after an hour, I would have them do a rough sketch of the scene in front of them. And then we go, go to a table, and at that table, they would take their rough sketch and make it into just a blue and white painting. Then I would do a demonstration from what my, my sketch was, and they would copy me. And that's how we basically learned from the very beginning how to do a painting. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm going to move this down because I want to have more control over the paint while I put in some details in these bushes in the foreground. So I'm going to start with the dry brush. I'm just moving on the side. Yes moving on the side of the brush, trying to save the white parts of the paper. Just leaving that white exposed? Yes. Now you also spent some time in, uh, in England and you did a show in Birmingham. Yes, I, I founded the National Acrylic Painters Association, which is out of the UK, and they asked me to, to form a, a NAPA USA. I organized uh, several exhibitions in the UK for American members to show with the English members. That was a true adventure and learning experience. Another little growth chart in my career. Yeah, you've got <laughs> some. You've got some lovely pieces as well. Uh, you've got uh, Steep Hill in Lincolnshire, which is a beautiful piece of work, uh, and some other really, really lovely pieces from over there. There's one, uh, and I think you must have gone to the uh, the Raptor Park in Avon. Actually, it was Mary Arden's house. Mary Arden was Shakespeare's mother, and they had a birdman there who had a couple of falcons. We got to hold the falcons and take photographs, and I did a painting of him. And um, that it's used, I used acrylic as watercolor on watercolor paper, and the painting ended up on the cover of the Acrylic Painters 2004 catalog. And not just that magazine, but you also ended up, which is really unusual, you ended up in one of the Russian art magazines as well. That was a surprise. Yeah, I'm telling Total you. surprise. I had done an, an article for the Artist Magazine on saving the white of your paper. Next thing I knew, I get a call from the editor of the Artist Magazine saying that I've, I've gotten the front and back covers of Russia's first art magazine 
plus a five-page article inside. They had copied the article from the U.S. magazine. That's fantastic, For isn't their it? new magazine. And, yeah, it's totally floored. So she sent me a copy, and of course I can't read it. My name looks really funny in <laughs> Russian. <laughs> well, I've just finished this blue wash, and now I'm going to do one of my favorite techniques, which I learned from the artist Nita Engel. And uh, it's called, she calls it her bullseye technique. And it's a great way to add color to my paintings. And um, I'm gonna start now. It starts with lots of water. So I brush water on, because it's the water that moves the paint. My watercolors are made with honey by M. Graham. And it's pure pigment and honey. So I'm not worried about ruining the environment when I dump the paint off of this, as you will see in a short while. I'm gonna start with yellow. Whoa. <laughs> Is that bright? Yeah, I'm telling you. Goodness. And then I'm gonna add some alizarin crimson. Yeah. Try to get this little water down because it's very staining. Now I'm gonna add some ultramarine. Very, very dramatic. Yes, and I, it's starting to dry, so I need, I need to keep it moist. Some manganese blue. And some yellow ochre. Goodness. It's not often you see watercolor artists doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sure livens up a workshop. I bet it does. Okay, so we're going to tip it toward the camera so you can see it. Are you just going to circle it around? Yes. See my um, red line? It's yeah, really yeah, hard yeah. to avoid that. Pretty, huh? Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? It just becomes so subtle in the end, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yes, and then when it dries, it's even more subtle. So it's in a way like an underpainting. For my my very vibrant paintings, I they start this way, and then when they dry, I go back and layer more three or four more layers of the color where I want the color to stand out. This is what I use for Steep Hill Lincolnshire uh -huh. and for the Windsor Castle, or happy oh, yes. at Windsor. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty dramatic looking paintings as well. Yeah, so just add a little something different. Yeah. So what do we do now? Now I'm gonna wipe out parts that I want to be white. I have to usually keep after this, do it, keep wiping out the color because as it dries, it soaks back into the paper. I'm going to start laying in some dark shadows on items that are on the bluff, or objects that are on the bluff here. I'm laying the brush on its side to do a little dry brush to make some texture. Not very much paint in the brush, I'm just putting it on the paper so it catches only the highlights. Now you've got some um, some paintings and a, uh, a really 
evoke a lot of uh, memories, I would think, for not just you, but the whole of your family of uh, Grandpa Lyle. Yes, what a, what a sweet man. He had lost Grandma, and uh, I used to go over to his house and just sit with him and talk. Yeah. And I decided one day just to take photographs, and uh, he was great for posing. He was quite the ham. So I took several photographs of him and painted a series of Grandpa Lyle. And um, I was delighted when the artist magazines uh, made me a, a member of their issue and, and actually published two of my paintings of Grandpa Lyle. You've got some other great uh, plein air pieces that you've done, and we'll just screen those up at the moment. There's one called Monterey Fish. The thing I like a lot about your work is you put dark lines around a lot of the characters that you put in. I do, that's uh, an illustrator's trick. Yeah. It used to be that people would, would draw with ink and then color it in with the paint. But I like to put the dark lines around objects in my painting as to finalize it. It kind of pops everything out. Now you also work uh, very closely with the, the Laguna Plain Air Painters as well. Yes, the uh, Laguna Plain Air Painters of America. Wonderful group of artists. Anybody can join and paint with us. I think it's about once a week you'll, you'll have one of the members that will do a demonstration. Any organized paint out is a great, great experience because you learn something from other artists every time, no matter how long you've been painting. Okay, Linda, looks like you're making some great progress, but I'm going to let you work for a little while and uh, we'll come back. That's, that sounds good. One of the challenges about plein air painting is that right at the moment we're sitting in the middle of an exercise that the fire brigade and the coast guard are doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> hence the sound of the helicopters in the background. There's stuff going, there's boats in the ocean, there's fire trucks, there's helicopters, it's unbelievable isn't it? That's the beauty about plein air painting, you just never know what you're going to come up against. Very, very true. So you're really starting to map in a lot of those dark tones now, aren't you? Yes, I'm putting in the darker values, which will pop out sections of the painting. But still letting that, that white of the paper show through. Yes. White are where I've tinted it like this is blue. And uh, just painting around the blue specks. One of the hardest things about painting 
plain air. It's getting it done fast and waiting for it to dry before you go back into it with more layers of paint and hoping the wind doesn't blow away your whole easel. I'm gonna lay in the ocean in the background here. Ooh, look at that. I'm gonna go right through the trees. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll come back in and put some more darks to define yeah. it. And there's a lighthouse. I'll put that in as well. Okay. I'll wipe that out right there. You see how the color that we've laid down is is it's very subtle now. Yeah, very, very much so. Just using the lightness of the paper to make those little ripples in the water. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. It's got a very translucent effect to it, doesn't it? It does. Makes it more fun. I consider this my rewarding part of the painting. Yeah. The other is, is my panic part. Like, where am I going to go from here, knowing visually where I want to go? So you've got to do all that other stuff before you get to where you are now. Exactly. And it takes time and experience, lots of practice. 30 years off? Yes. <laughs> it does help, doesn't it? I'm going to soften this area right here to make it look like there's an early morning glow from the sun. So you use the toothbrush to pick up the color and then the tissue to soak it up. Correct. Wonderful. And I have to keep rinsing the toothbrush because it will rub the paint back into where I've wiped it off if the brush gets too much paint in it. So. Well, the technique that you're using at the moment is really similar to the King's Square York picture that you did with all the lighting and the trees. It's yes. That's a really fantastic technique and it just looks, oh, it looks amazing. So, yes, I use this technique and then I go back in after it's dry and brighten the colors around it. Well, fantastic day, Linda. That was really, oh, really was magic. Oh, so much fun. It was like, the th one of the things about plein air painting, of course, is the fact that you've got wind and you've got noise and we had some helicopters. But as you can see, Linda's actually made a progression through finishing the piece off for us, which is fantastic. We're just screening that right now. But uh, really, really well done. Those are the challenges of being a plein air artist, aren't they? Yeah, it sure is fun. Yeah, you've got to get yeah. out there. But So if somebody wants to come in and have a look at your work, and funny enough, people were stopping and already asking about what you were doing. Yes. Your website is? Uh, lindagun.com. lindagun.com. So. And you can always come in and come to us at colourinyourlife.com.au. Now, see, there's another one right there. Challenging day, let me tell you. And come and see us on YouTube as well and also in our Facebook page. But as we always say... Above the noise of the helicopter, <laughs> remember, make sure you put some colour in your life and we'll see you next time. Hopefully not with any helicopters Yay. anyway. <laughs> see you guys. Bye now.